Grace Point family. How are we today? Good? It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, I'm going to jump right into it today. We are beginning a, a new three-week series today uh, entitled Good News, and we're going to take the next three weeks to really focus in on the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, the word gospel in the New Testament is the translation of the, of the Greek noun euangelion, okay? And it means this, it means good news. I want to tell you, first of all, today the gospel is just that, it is good news. And maybe you're here today and you, you grew up in the church and you would say, Pastor, I've heard this message before, I, I know it, I want to encourage you, like, don't check out, okay? Don't check out over these next few weeks, I want to encourage you uh, to really press in because my desire is not that you would only know the gospel for yourself, but that you would be able to communicate it clearly uh, to someone else. George Orwell once said this, sometimes the first duty of intelligent men is restatement of the obvious, okay? And so one of the purposes of this series that we're walking through in our discipleship journey is to restate the obvious, but I think so often neglected truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to grasp this church. I want you to grasp it like never before. And I want to encourage you to never take this important message of the gospel of Jesus Christ for granted. I came across this quote by John Stott this past week. It was written in 1984, but I, I think it's even more true for the church today. He writes these words. He says, all around us we see Christians and churches relaxing their grasp on the gospel fumbling it and in danger of letting it drop from their hands altogether. A new generation is needed who will guard the sacred deposit of the gospel, who are determined to proclaim it and prepared to suffer for it, and who will pass it on pure and uncorrupted to this generation. So for these next three weeks, we're going to cover three topics that I think are essential to our understanding of the gospel. They are sin, the cross, understand what sin is, and you can understand what Jesus did on the cross to deal with the problem of sin, and you can understand your response is should be one of repentance that you understand the gospel. And so today we're going to start with everyone's favorite topic, sin. <laughs> and you may say, Pastor, how is sin good news? Again, unless we understand our need, we cannot appreciate the grace of the gospel. And so as we focus on this topic of sin, I want to encourage you to pull out those note sheets. Hopefully you got one on the way in. I want you to follow along and, and take some notes so you can reflect on the message this week. But what is sin? That's the first question, right? Pastor, what exactly is sin? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines sin as this, an offense against religious or moral law. Now, the Old in the Old Testament, the concept of sin is very clear. It's this, it's anything that is contrary to known will of God. The word used throughout the New Testament, the Greek word is hamartia, and it literally means this, it means to miss the mark, to miss the mark. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, right, hamartia, all have missed the mark, all of us fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, when it comes to sin, so many of us want to know this, is it sin or is it not, Right? Pastor, can I do this, or, or, or can I do this, right? And, and I want to say, if that's our only posture in regards to sin, can I do it, or can I not, we'll end up like the preacher who said, there are 784 sins, 
at the end of the message, everyone wanted a copy of those, right? Can I get the list? Is what I'm doing on the list or not? I would say this, though. The simplest definition of sin is this. It's disappointing God through our disobedience. That's sin. But the second question has to be, well, why do we sin? And that's, that's a good question, right? Why do people sin? Well, the most basic answer is because. Because it is our nature. It's the nature of the beast. We know that Adam was created in the perfect image of God. Man was create, created out of the dust, and, and God breathed life into man. And this breath of life from God is what makes us so important. It's not the dust. It's not this body. If you broke this body down and you sold off the minerals, it's less than $100 it's worth. But what our true worth far exceeds our physical attributes. You understand today, we are infinitely valuable. All human life is infinitely valuable from the womb to the tomb, right? Because God breathed his life and his, and his spirit into us. And together, men and women, we were created to reflect the very image of God. We're made to reflect God's character and his likeness to the world around us, to reveal his love, to reveal his grace to others. We were created to have dominion over the earth and to be stewards over his creation, that we would continually walk in obedience and we walk in his blessing. But by choosing to disobey God in the garden, mankind was introduced to sin, introduced to evil. Understand this, God's original intention is that mankind would only be aware of good. But when man chose to sin, it's right there, Genesis chapter 3, right, right at the very beginning, the image of God became distorted in us. Not destroyed, but certainly distorted. It's like an image in a frame, right? I don't know who these people are. Beautiful picture. It's like a 90s photo shoot on the beach, right? But think about it. You can see this image very clearly, but if you take a frame and you drop it, it's a good frame for the parties. Let's try that one more time. Okay. Well, most frames that are glass would crack. I'm telling you, marking these things, I tried like three times before the service would have But when a frame cracks, can I ask you this question? Is the image still there? The image is still there. It's just, it's marred by the cracks in the frame. And the same thing happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. The image was still there, but it was distorted by sin. And understand this, the, the perfect image of God is in us, but so often it is distorted by sin in our lives. Not destroyed, but distorted. And so the legacy that, that Adam and Eve have left us with is a legacy of sin. And, and nowhere is original sin more visible to me than in little children, right? How many of you parents would say that, right? You ever notice you don't have to teach kids how to say no? You don't have to teach them how to say mine, right? They're like, that's mine, right? You do have to teach them how to say please and thank you and you're welcome, right? i got to tell you, I never had to teach any of my kids how to throw a tantrum. My, my daughter was especially good at it, I can say that. She's living in South Korea right now. I love you, Sam. But none of you parents, right, had to teach your kids how to rebel. They came with rebellion included and your job was to teach them how to obey, right? They're born these cute little sinners. And so it was through Adam and Eve that sin entered the world that became their gift to us, their real gift. They have given to us the punishment.
sin nature includes three things primarily. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Three things primarily that, that are characteristics of the sin nature. Number one is this, it's unbelief. Unbelief. It, it was in the garden that the serpent, the devil, planted the seeds of unbelief in Eve by, by saying, did God actually say? And understand, he uses that same technique again and again in our lives. Did God really say that? Are you sure God's word says that? He, he tries to get us to doubt the word of God and the character of God. And church, this is why we need to be so grounded in God's word. Amen? We need to know his character. Because Satan caused Eve to believe that God was somehow holding out on her. That he was robbing her of joy, and so he tempted her with the fruit from the tree. He says this in Genesis 3, 7, For God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the thing. Temptation to sin is often a picture of truth and error. Because would their eyes be opened? Yes. Would they know both good and evil? Yes. Would they be like God? Well, the truth is they were already like God. They were created in God's image. And so eating of the fruit of the tree would, again, mar the image of God in their lives. Disobeying like God like that would distort the image of God in their lives. And so sin entered the world when mankind turned its back on who God is and what God said and got carried away with what was forbidden. And here's the truth about temptation. Whenever you allow something that is forbidden to become an object of attention in your life, it will soon become so alluring that everything else in your life, including God, will be abandoned in order to attain that thing. James 1.14 tells us this, each person is tempted when he is, in, when he is lured and enticed by, what does it say, the devil there, is that what it says? What does it say? His own desire. Listen, the truth is the devil does not need to tempt you to sin. That desire is there. Again, it's a sinful nature. And then he says this, Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Another nature of sin is pride. Remember, to Eve, Satan says, you will be like God. The sin of Lucifer, obviously, was the sin of pride, right? He, he knew the temptation of pride because he had given into it. He, he said, I will be like the Most High. That was his, his thinking. And understand this today. Temptation always focuses on self. It always focuses on self. It's, it's about my interest, right? We want to feel, fulfill our dreams and our potential and our desires and our goals. And so we go after our desires. And Scripture says that our desires are this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Finally, the nature of sin is disobedience. It, it is the fruit of sin that rises from unbelief and pride in our lives. Understand this. Sin is not opposition to a rule. Write this down. Not opposition to a rule. It's opposition to God Himself. It's opposition to God Himself. You look at the Word of God and you just look at it as a, this book with this list of rules. You think, no big deal, I broke a rule, right? It's just, just one rule, right? But if you understand that God has called you into a relationship with Him, then to disobey is to actually oppose God. See, at its core, sin is turning. 
so that we 
serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Understand, when Paul talks about our sinful nature, he talks about it in the past tense, right? It, it, it's something that used to be, but is not now. He backs it up with Romans 8, 4, when he says that we no longer follow our sinful nature, right? But instead we follow the Spirit of God. You see, we, were, we once were, and what we are now, should be two different creatures completely. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I want to ask you today, does that describe you? Has the old gone and has the new come? Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one, and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and your sinful nature. Either you will hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one, and you'll despise the other. Romans 8, 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are, are just living, again, by that sinful nature, there's no way in and of that nature that you can please God. But how do we conquer the sinful nature, right? How do we, we get on top of it, Pastor? How do we get the victory? Galatians 5.24 says this, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, that statement, crucifying the sinful nature, I want to say it indicates an act of will. Do you want to know the main reason why Christians don't crucify the sinful nature? I'm going to be honest with you. It's because they don't want to. Because they actually Faith, humility, and obedience. 
flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the, in the heavenly places. And so we talk about the powers of darkness, right, and, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And here today, they are real. Those are, those are real things. But don't forget verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God. He says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Verse 13 says that we're going to win. That's what it says, church. It says that we're going to stand, that we don't need to give in. And here's the truth. The greatest demon that you will have to fight in your life will be the demon of self. It'll, it'll be saying, you know what, I'm not going to choose to follow that sinful nature and that sinful desires. You will only ever commit sins that you are willing to commit. You raise eyebrows in the house. So now, own faithful. Listen to me, one of the greatest promises in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. So you hear this that you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God's word does not say that we won't be tempted, even Christ himself was tempted, but, but God did say you would never be tempted by something that you could not resist by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. I think our problem is sometimes we pray like Augustine prayed, Lord, make me pure. and everything that the next life can give us. But hear me, God doesn't want anything less than everything. He doesn't want anything less than everything. You, you can't say 95% of my life, that's God's, and this 5% of my life, this is mine. It, it doesn't work like that. Not at all. If you plant a garden and you reserve a little corner for the weeds, right, your gardeners know what's going to happen. Those little monsters are going to take over the whole garden, right? No man can serve two masters. You can't serve God himself. You can't serve God in sin. You can't serve God and the devil because you will either love one and hate the other, devote yourself to one and despise the other. If you play with fire, you will get burned. If you play with sin, you will get burned. Remember, sin will always take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you want to pay. You will never be your, you will never be sin's master. Alcohol, they, they recognize they have a problem with alcohol, right? And maybe in the church we need to stand up and say, 
Pastor Daniel, and I'm a sinner in the plan. My name is Joe, and I'm a sinner. That doesn't mean that I continue to sin, but it does mean that we know who we are apart from the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, and that ought to keep us dependent upon the work of God. Amen? The Apostle John tells us, look at this, turn to, to 1 John 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He writes these words. He says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. That's my purpose. I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you sin, but if you sin, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. It's not fatal when he says, I'm writing this to you so you will not sin. But if you sin, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. He's the one who pleases God completely. You see, our disobedience was dealt with by the obedience of Jesus to the Father. And where you have failed in your life to obey God, we all have. Jesus came and he obeyed the Father Just forgive. 
you to lift your voice and thank him. Let's respond and praise for what he's done for us.